listeners. Thank you for tuning in to IRIS, and welcome to the reading of the Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier for Friday, December 16th. I'm your volunteer reader, Bob Young. Let's look at today's weather forecast. This comes from KCRG in Cedar Rapids. Scattered snow possible again today, colder into the weekend. Snow showers continue across eastern Iowa today. Overall impacts from the system remain fairly low, though slick roads may still be found, especially to the north. Accumulation still looks very minor. Expect highs mainly in the 20s today, with wind chills in the single digits and teens. Plan on a chilly weekend with highs into the 20s, though aside from some scattered flurries on Saturday, the weekend looks dry at this time. Next week, we are still watching for a huge Arctic front, which is set to bring us a chance of snow Wednesday and Thursday. In addition, some very cold air is likely from Thursday through Christmas weekend, with wind chills likely well below zero. Let's turn to the front page of the Courier now, and we have these titles to read. Grassley pushes missing alert bill. Door closes on backtracks. Miller Meeks shares voting address with Senator. And let's begin reading the lead story. Centene to pay Iowa $44 million. Payment addresses claim that Medicaid insurer overbilled the state. This story written by Tom Barton of the Courier's Des Moines Bureau. The nation's largest Medicaid insurer will pay $44.4 million as part of a settlement to resolve claims the company fundamentally overbilled Iowa's privatized Medicaid program for pharmacy benefits and services. Iowa Attorney General Tom Miller announced the settlement Thursday with St. Louis-based Centene Corporation, one of three for-profit companies that help manage the joint federal and state program that finances roughly $7 billion in health care coverage annually for roughly 805,000 low-income and disabled Iowans. Quote, we are pleased to come to a resolution with Centene in this matter, Miller said in a statement. Quote, Medicaid funds are a vital resource for so many Iowans. Ensuring these dollars are used as intended means that our health care system is in a better spot to help our residents, unquote. Centene, which operates as Iowa Total Care in the state, administers benefits to more than 350,000 Iowans through IA HealthLink, Iowa's Medicare Managed Care Program, and Iowa's Children's Health Insurance Program. Miller's office reviewed Centene's operations in Iowa after a string of investigations and settlements that uncovered similar issues in other states. At least 13 states have reached settlements after pursuing legal action against Centene's pharmacy benefits manager for overcharging its Medicaid programs. Officials in Miller's office found irregularities in the insurer's reporting of costs of pharmacy benefits in the Medicaid program, including the pricing of prescription drugs. Iowa Total Care administered its pharmacy benefits through Involve, a pharmacy benefits manager that is owned by Centene. According to the Iowa Attorney General's office, Centene allegedly used Involve, quote, to deceptively receive payments that it was not entitled to, 
falsified reports related to the work under its provider agreement with the state, and misrepresented the cost of pharmacy services, unquote. Miller's office also alleges that Envolve and Centene failed to disclose or pass on some retail discounts to the state, inflating fees and costs for Iowans. Centene did not admit any wrongdoing under the settlement, which covers the period of January 1, 2016, to the present. Moving forward, however, the company must be fully transparent in its payments of all pharmacy benefit claims, which includes disclosing the exact amount paid to the pharmacy for each claim. Quote, we respect the depth and critically important relationships we have with our state partners, Centene said in a statement. Quote, this no-fault agreement reflects the significance we place on addressing their concerns and our ongoing commitment to making the delivery of health care local, simple, and transparent. Importantly, this allows us to continue our relentless focus on delivering high-quality outcomes to our members, unquote. Settlement proceeds will be split between the state of Iowa and the federal Medicaid program pursuant to federal Medicaid requirements. Details of the fund allocations are still being determined, according to an Iowa Attorney General's office spokesperson. State Senator Pam Jochum, a Democrat from Dubuque, while applauding Miller's diligence in recovering $44.4 million in taxpayer money, called the settlement, quote, a stark reminder of the ongoing risks and costs of putting for-profit out-of-state companies in charge of critical health care, unquote. Quote, Medicaid privatization is not working for Iowa, Jochum said in a statement. It costs our state more and provides far less service, unquote. Jochum has been a vocal critic and often talked over frustrations accessing Medicaid services for her late adult daughter, who had a severe intellectual disability. Quote, At the very least, Iowa should exempt the disabilities community from Governor Reynolds' broken privatization system so that our most vulnerable aren't caught up in such blatant fraud and mismanagement, Jochum said. Iowa Total Care's contract with the state is set to expire in the year 2025. A Centene spokesperson did not respond to emailed questions as to whether the settlement may impact its plans going forward as a managed care insurer under the Iowa Medicaid program. In Ohio, Centene was awarded a managed care contract this summer to continue administering benefits in its Medicaid program after agreeing last year to pay that state $88 million to resolve allegations related to the provision of pharmacy services in the Safety Net Insurance Program. A spokesperson for the Iowa Department of Health and Human Services, which oversees Iowa's Medicaid program, did not immediately respond to messages Thursday seeking comment about the settlement and Centene's future as an Iowa Medicaid-managed care insurer. And here, the courier includes a large photograph of about a dozen wild geese taking off from the ground at the River Loop Amphitheater and into the Cedar River in Waterloo. The picture was taken on Thursday. The next article is titled, Door Closes on Backtracks. Host of iconic IPR rock history show, 
calling it quits at the end of the year. Story written by Melody Parker. Dateline Waterloo. On New Year's Eve, Bob Doerr will celebrate three major life events. The musician will ring in 2023 with his annual Happy Blue Year celebration, beginning at 7 p.m. December 31st, at Brian's Blue Plate, featuring live music. The blues legend also will toast his wife, Carolyn, on their 13th wedding anniversary. Finally, Doerr will bid farewell to Backtracks, the iconic rock and roll history show he has hosted for more than three decades on Iowa Public Radio. Quote, I've lived through every rock and roll era and pretty much done all the history two or three times over. It's a pretty unique perspective on music, said Doerr, who turns 71 on January 12th. Quote, I've literally sat in my garage office for hours on end researching and playing music to create those three-hour shows. After 37 years and four months, I can say I'm going to miss it, but I'm ready to recapture that time. It might lighten his load, but Dor is not completely retiring from radio. He'll still host his other popular IPR shows, Blue Avenue on Sundays at 5 p.m. and Beatles Medley at 6.30 p.m. on Sunday. Quote, Turning 70 this year has had an emotional and mental impact on me more than any other decade. I started realizing the finite minutes I have left on the planet. And Carolyn is inching up on retirement, Dora explained. He was inducted into the Iowa Rock and Roll Music Association Hall of Fame in 2000 as a radio DJ at KUNI Public Radio for many years. In addition to his radio career, Dor was founder and frontman for the beloved Blue Band for nearly 40 years until the group disbanded in 2017. In 2007, Dor was inducted as a band leader into the IRRMA Hall of Fame. In 2006, he was inducted into the Iowa Blues Hall of Fame. In addition to radio, Dor has kept himself pretty busy, regularly performing music with friends he pulls together for club and events performances, open jams, and his hot fudge music record label. Quote, I really suck at not working, Dor said laughing. I've worked in radio since I was 19, and of course, the music thing forever. I'm really bad at sleeping, really bad at spending money, and I really suck at quitting anything. So now, I'm working my way into not working anymore. I've always worked for myself, made my own opportunities, organized, produced, and performed music. Quote, it literally scares me not to have these opportunities to sustain myself, unquote. With his longtime friend and guitarist, Jeff Peterson, Dor revived the Thursday night jam session, now at Brian's Blue Plate. Quote, I'm pretty much open to anything that involves me and Jeff, and I occasionally play with a couple of quartets. The difficult part is making a living at it. Travel started to be a drag a few years ago. It's the downtime you spend watching the road go by. Quote, and I just don't like the hustle as much as I used to, lining up gigs and shows. We pretty much play every gig that comes to us, unquote. Doors Happy Blue Year on New Year's Eve will feature Deja Blue, The Blue Two, Sleepy Bones Allison, Uncle Chuck and Perry Miller, multi-instrumentalist Nolan Schroeder, and more. 
There will be a blues buffet and a midnight champagne toast. Guests will be served anniversary cake as well. Brian's Blue Plate at 205 West 4th Street is located in downtown Waterloo at the Best Western Plus Executive Residency. Tickets are limited and available on a first-come, first-served basis from the Waterloo Center for the Arts, Brian's, the hotel, or at the jam sessions. Cost is $35 in advance or $45 at the door, subject to availability. Proceeds benefit the Waterloo Center for the Arts. Our next story was written by Caleb McCullough. Grassley pushes missing alert bill. He co-sponsored effort to reauthorize the program. Dateline Des Moines. For parents of children with autism, the risk of their children wandering away from supervision is high. It happens with almost half of the children with the condition at least once, according to Autism Speaks. Legislation addressing that risk, backed by Iowa U.S. Senator Chuck Grassley, a Republican, is set to be reauthorized as part of the National Defense Authorization Act. Grassley joined Democratic Senator Amy Klobuchar of Minnesota, another co-sponsor of the law, to highlight the reauthorization of the Missing Americans Alert Program in a news conference Thursday. The legislation, originally passed in 2018, provides resources for law enforcement and families of children with autism, as well as adults with Alzheimer's disease and other developmental disabilities in the event that they wander away from caregivers. The authorization maintains the provisions and funding levels from 2018. Advocates for people with autism and Alzheimer's disease said during the press conference the legislation funds vital tools to help locate missing people. Dubbed Kevin N. Avante's Law, the law is named in part for Kevin Curtis Willis, a nine-year-old boy with autism who wandered away from his parents' care in 2008 and drowned in the Raccoon River in Jefferson, Iowa. It is also named for Ivante Oquendo, a 14-year-old with autism from New York who went missing from school and was later found dead. Quote, these tragic losses really taught us to do better for these individuals and families, Grassley said during the conference. Quote, and this legislation is part of that doing better, unquote. The law, an Amber Alert-style system that notifies a community when a person with autism, Alzheimer's, or other developmental disability has gone missing. Funding for agencies and local law enforcement to develop programs or training to prevent wandering and locate missing people. The law provided $1.7 million in funding for projects this year, Klobuchar said. Quote, this law has been instrumental in helping to reunite families with loved ones, Grassley said. One common method of prevention, Klobuchar said, involves using tracking bracelets that can tell a person's location if they wander. Chris Steinmetz, the executive director of the Autism Society of Iowa, said she knew the Willis family and Kevin's death was a shock to the whole Jefferson community. Quote, the Jefferson Middle School gym was completely filled and visiting there, we started to realize we needed to do something with the tragedy, she said. Using the provisions in the bill, Steinmetz said the organization has been training first responders 
to help them prepare to respond to situations involving people with autism. Quote, this has evolved into a lot of different things, she said, and I think the most important is that the first responders have the information as to what they can do, whom they can call, and different trainings and different programs for tracking devices, unquote. For people with Alzheimer's disease, 60% will wander at least once, according to the Alzheimer's Association. Quote, it's very common for a person with dementia to experience profound disorientation and wander from homes and care facilities, and many do so repeatedly, unquote, said Robert Freeman, the vice president of public policy for Minnesota's North Dakota Alzheimer's Association. Our next story comes from Sarah Watson of the Quad City Times. Miller Meeks shares voting address with Senator. U.S. Representative List State Senator's home as her voting residence. Marionette Miller Meeks, who last month won re-election to Congress representing Iowa's 1st District, registered to vote using an address that matches a state senator's home in Scott County. According to records from the auditor's office, Miller Meeks registered to vote using the address of a single-family home on Great River Road in Leclerc, owned by State Senator Chris Knoyer. Redistricting drew Miller Meeks's home county, Wapalo, into the 3rd Congressional District in the southwest quadrant of Iowa. She opted to run for her second term in southeast Iowa's new 1st District, which covers 16 of her previous district's 24 counties. Members of Congress are not required to live in their district as long as they live in the state they represent. In press interviews during the campaign, Miller Meeks said that she and her husband, Kurt, kept their home in Ottumwa and that she took up residency in Leclerc. After a debate between Miller Meeks and her opponent, Democrat Christina Bowman, Miller Meeks said she has, quote, a place in Leclerc and that she didn't plan to sell her 50-acre property in Ottumwa. That residence appears to be the Cornover's home, county records show. The two served together for two years in the state Senate. A spokesperson for Miller Meeks confirmed the address to be Miller Meeks's claimed residence, but declined to answer more questions. Cornover did not immediately respond to messages seeking comment. According to County Auditor Voter Registration Records, Miller Meeks changed her voter registration on October 24th, the last day Iowans could pre-register to vote for the 2022 election. While the County Auditor's Office didn't yet have records for whether Miller Meeks voted in the 2022 election, she did post on social media a video of herself the day before the election standing outside the Scott County Administrative Building, saying she just voted. Our next story comes from the Associated Press. Damien Choice and Alex Vega are the journalists. U.S. stocks sink as Fed signals it will remain aggressive. Stocks tumbled on Wall Street and across European markets Thursday as investors grew increasingly concerned that the Federal Reserve and other central banks are willing to risk a recession to bring inflation under control. The S&P 500 fell 2.5%, with more than 90% of the stocks in the benchmark index closing in the red. 
the Dow Jones Industrial Average fell 2.2%, and the Nasdaq Composite lost 3.2%. The broad slide erased all the weekly gains for the major indexes. European stocks fell sharply, with Germany's DAX dropping 3.3%. The wave of selling came as central banks in Europe raised interest rates a day after the U.S. Federal Reserve hiked its key rate again, emphasizing that interest rates will need to go higher than previously expected to tame inflation. Quote, it's this coordinated central bank tightening. Stocks tend to not do well in that environment, said Willie Delwichy, investment strategist at All Star Charts. In the U.S., the market's losses were widespread, though technology stocks were the biggest weight on the S&P 500. The benchmark index fell 99.57 points to 3,895.75. The Dow slid 764.13 points to 33,202.22, while the tech-heavy Nasdaq dropped 360 points to 10,810. The Fed raised its short-term interest rate by half a percentage point on Wednesday, its seventh increase this year. Central banks in Europe followed along Thursday, with the European Central Bank, Bank of England, and Swiss National Bank each raising their main lending rate by a half point on Thursday. Though the Fed is slowing the pace of its rate increases, the central bank signaled it expects rates to be higher over the coming few years than it had previously anticipated. That disappointed investors who had hoped recent signs that inflation is easing somewhat would persuade the Fed to take some pressure off the brakes it's applying to the U.S. economy. Now we turn the page to the Cedar Valley section, and at the top of the page is the next installment for the Courier's 20 Under 40 feature. This was written by Holly Hudson Hill of the Courier's Newsroom. Nilvia Reyes Rodriguez, taking leadership role for diversity, equity, and inclusion. Dateline Waterloo. Nilvia Reyes Rodriguez was just 14 months old when her mother brought her and her sister to the United States from Mazatlan, Sonola, Mexico. Freeing an abusive relationship, her mother sought a better life for the girls. When Reyes Rodriguez was 10, the family settled in New Hampton. Her mother, who had earned a college degree in Mexico, opened a Mexican restaurant and store. She became very involved with the Chamber of Commerce in the community. Quote, it all started with my mom, Reyes Rodriguez said of her own service to her community. In 2012, Reyes Rodriguez was 19 and her sister Monica was 22 when DACA, Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, was established to protect eligible immigrant youth who came to the United States when they were children from deportation. They are called Dreamers. This prompted the sisters to start a nonprofit, Dream Iowa, to assist other immigrants who were in the same position. Quote, we worked from our childhood bedroom on our cell phones using our neighbor's Wi-Fi, Rise Rodriguez said. Quote, it has been my passion for the last 10 years. 
Quote, we wanted to be immigrant advocates, she said. We envisioned a statewide network. Today, Dream Iowa is just that. It was incorporated in 2017. Quote, we are finally in a place where we can hire permanent staff, said Rias Rodriguez, who's 29. The organization's mission is to stimulate and carry forward the gradual shift from generational poverty to generational wealth for immigrant Iowans. Dream Iowa takes a three-pronged approach to this, Rise Rodriguez noted. It sponsors annual youth leadership summits geared toward middle school through college students. Quote, we give them the tools to further their education and explore career paths. We give them the tools for success, she said. Quote, last year, we had more than 250 participants. It has grown and grown, unquote. The nonprofit also provides adult financial literacy seminars for immigrants and refugees. Quote, we partner with the trusted organizations and focus on everything from budgeting to home ownership and retirement. We are interested in their long-term holistic financial health, Rise Rodriguez said. Additionally, Dream Iowa aims to educate the general public in Iowa about immigrants. Quote, we want to share their stories, remove the stigma. We are everyday people, she explained. While the sisters nurtured their nonprofit, Rice Rodriguez also pursued a college education, earning a public administration degree with a minor in history. She had served as a migrant and seasonal farm worker outreach specialist with Iowa Works, helping job seekers and working with partner agencies to identify and address barriers to employment. But Rice Rodriguez recently accepted a position with United Way as Director of Community Impact and Engagement. Quote, we will be working with nonprofits to see how we can make a greater impact with grant giving, she said. Lori Everhart, the Community Foundation of Northeast Iowa, nominated Rise Rodriguez for the 20 Under 40 recognition. Quote, Nilvia has been a thoughtful member of the Racial Equity Advisory Committee at CFNEIA. This group is taking on important work of helping CFNEIA become a community leader and funder to work to revise the system of racism that exists in our communities, unquote. She also serves as commissioner of the Waterloo Commission on Human Rights and was president of the League of United Latin American Citizens Council 370, which she founded, said Everhart. Quote, she led the council in participating with the Waterloo Center for the Arts to co-host and plan the annual Latino Heritage Festival. She has been tapped as a speaker for events of the Cedar Valley Advocates for Immigrants and Refugee Rights and sociology classes at Hawkeye Community College. Quote, Nilvia has taken a leadership role in our community around diversity, equity, and inclusion, and we look forward to her work in making the Cedar Valley a welcoming community for all, unquote. In addition to her work and volunteer commitments, Rise Rodriguez is raising a young daughter, Sophia, age eight. Quote, I take my role as a parent very seriously, and I have such a beautiful relationship with my daughter, she said. Quote, she's been to marches 
and has popped up in Zoom meetings. She understands my work, and she is proud of me. Quote, she strives to follow that path. She made me buy her a wagon, and we pulled it around and cleaned up the neighborhood, said Rise Rodriguez. Quote, she is also very civic-minded, unquote. At this time, listeners, we want to remind you that you're hearing the reading of the Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier for Friday, December 16th on IRIS, the Iowa Radio Reading Information Service for the Blind. Now, let's turn to today's obituaries. Joyce Harriet Paulson was born November 29, 1930, in South Dakota, the daughter of Bill and Ida Paulson Cruz. She went to college in Lamars, Iowa, where she received her teaching degree. Joyce furthered her education at the University of Northern Iowa. She then taught kindergarten for 35 years. Joyce was united in marriage to Kenneth Paulson, at the EUB Church in Worthington, Minnesota. He preceded her in death in December 14, 2010. She enjoyed mowing grass and taking care of the cemeteries in Dysart with her husband, Ken. Joyce was also very active in the women's club. Joyce passed away on Monday, December 12, 2022, at the Sunrise Hill Care Center at the age of 92. She is preceded in death by her parents, husband, Ken, and daughter, Larray Ligger. Joyce is survived by two daughters, Leanne Troy Williamson of Winfield, Pennsylvania, and Lisa Spouse Doug Albertson of Elberon, Iowa, five grandchildren and five great-grandchildren. Visitation for Joyce will be on Monday, December 19, 2022, from 9.30 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. at Dysart United Methodist Church. 602 Tilford Street in Dysart. Services will be Monday, December 19th, 2022, at 10.30 a.m. at Dysart United Methodist Church, 602 Tilford Street in Dysart. Burial will be in Dysart Cemetery. Arrangements are with Overton Funeral Home, 707 Clark Street, Dysart, Iowa. Their phone number is area code 319 Four seven six seven three five five. Condolences may be left at www.overtonfuneralhomes.com. And now here the courier lists two death notices. Anthony, known as Tony C. Hayungs, 61, of Nevada, Iowa, died Tuesday, December 13, 2022, at the Israel Family Hospice in Ames. Arrangements are with Andrews Funeral Homes in Belmond, and Dean Ross Knight, 75, of Redland, died Thursday, November 15, 2022, at the Tropola Nursing Home, Tropola. Arrangements are with Kaiser Corson Funeral Home in Waverly. And now, let's turn to the opinion section. This editorial appeared in the Des Moines Register, written by Steve Corbin, who is a professor emeritus of marketing at the University of Northern Iowa. Holidays, an opportunity to help others in need. Thankfully, 
We are five weeks past the 2022 midterm election. I can hear many voters exuding sighs of relief and shouting, after $17 billion was spent on disinformation, misinformation, and the occasional truthful political ad, yes, finally the election is over. Normal life is back, I think, and we've jumped right into the holiday season. Let's ponder how the 2022 holiday season might become better than we've experienced heretofore. First, let's recognize the word holiday means holy day. Next, let's value that holidays are celebrated from both a religious and cultural perspective. Then, we need to acknowledge the holy day is celebrated throughout the world. If we can agree on these three premises, they might, just might, cause us to develop a better appreciation of others and approach the 2022 holiday season from a more holistic and inclusive perspective. For centuries, the holidays celebrated include Bodhi Day, Buddhist, Christmas, Christian, Diwali, Hindu, Eid al-Fitr, Muslim, Hanukkah, Jewish, Kwanzaa, African-American, Lunar New Year, East Asia, and Winter Solstice, Indigenous, to name a few. Dr. Mike Ronsadvale, a Florida-based psychologist, claims that in faith-based traditions, the holidays were a time when people were purposely changed their behavior and as such modify their holiday experience. For some, however, the holiday season will be a static and self-centered, only thinking of gifting to those within their own family. How might we intentionally change our behavior this holiday season to its fullness? Reverting back to Americans spending nearly $17 billion on political candidates, which amounts to $162.84 per voter, a challenge is offered. For every dollar you contributed to a candidate for public office, intentionally give the same amount to a not-for-profit charity who might be in greater need of financial assistance than a politician's in perpetuity re-election coffers. Didn't give to a politician or party? If so, purposely contact your local food bank and ask if you could spend one, two, or three hours volunteering at their agency, or contribute money. One dollar can help provide ten meals. Don't forget that most post-secondary institutions of higher learning also have food pantries to assist students in need. Inquire if there are any residents at a long-term care facility or hospital who might like a fruit basket, personal care items, phone call, or a 10-minute in-person visit. Your outreach endeavor may assist those who are lonely and isolated during a time that should be joyful. There are about 600,000 homeless Americans. 33,146 are veterans, according to HUD. The seven best charities for helping homeless people can be found at impactful.ninja. With the National Alliance to End Homelessness touted as setting the gold standard with a charity watch grade of A+. If you are seeking to help make a positive impact upon kids in need, there are almost 120,000 children waiting to be adopted in America. The 10 best charities to support foster care are identified at impactful.ninja. The top three, in terms of overall impact, include 
Foster Care to Success, Together We Rise, and Children's Defense Fund, my favorite global nonprofit organization that provides medical services to those affected by war, disaster, or disease, is International Medical Corps, and their website is internationalmedicalcorps.org. Consider contacting your local Kiwanis, Rotary, or Lions Club, all non-sectarian, to seek membership. Their multitude of service projects would give you around-the-year opportunities to assist people and organizations in your community who need assistance. While spending time with your family this holiday season is important, consider thinking outside the box and intentionally change your behavior by helping others. It may be the start of a new holiday tradition of pursuing the festive season in a more robust, long-term, and meaningful perspective. Happy Holidays! This next piece comes from the Storm Lake Times pilot, titled, The Numbers Are In, Ag Conservation Pays Off, written by Art Cullen. Last year, we visited Zach Smith's Winnebago County Farm to learn about innovation in conservation agriculture, and we thought it a good time to check back in and see how things went this harvest. Zach gave up coveted Pioneer Seed dealership near Buffalo Center to dive whole hog into his stock cropper system, a movable grazing pen powered by the sun that creeps through pasture forage between stands of cornrows. Hogs, goats, cattle, and chickens are escorted down the pasture lane in 20- and 30-foot pens guided by GPS, feeding on nature's finest forage and fertilizing it all the way. Zach plants four rows of corn in a 10-foot strip, with a 10-foot strip of pasture next to it planted in succotash. Then he switches the strips the following year, so the corn benefits from the year of grazing. The results? 303 bushels per acre of corn over the field. He said he harvested 230 bushels of corn per acre in a conventional 30-inch arrangement. Plus, he benefits from greatly reduced commercial fertilizer costs and improved weed control. As he says, I never saw goat-resistant water hemp. The young farmer has been interested for 10 years in wide-row spacing of corn for more efficient use of resources. He explains that by planting two rows at 60 to 90 inches apart makes more efficient use of sunlight, since there are only outside rows. Light can reach up and down the plant when it's not crowded. He thinks 75-inch rows, center to center, might be the sweet spot, with a legume cover planted between to supply nitrogen. Better exposure leads to ginormous King Kong main ears, Smith said, and some hybrids will throw off a second or third ear in wider rows down low. Ears fill out better with deeper kernels. Even without the stock chopper component in the test, Smith hauled in yields similar to his conventional corn. With the stock chopper system fertilizing and building soil productivity, quote, if I could really focus on it, I could get up to 400 bushels, I think, Smith said over the phone. Plus, he has livestock to take to the butcher shop when the stock chopper shuts down for the season. It adds value to a small farm operation. He used some drought-resistant varieties this year that stood up well to a paucity of precipitation. 
he is tinkering with the stock cropper and with different planting equipment to perfect his wide row corn growing and grazing system. He works with farmers in Minnesota and Indiana on mechanical and crop system improvements and holds field days and post videos trying to spread the word about innovation in agriculture. Smith is one of the more inventive among thousands of Iowa farmers trying new ways to survive or even thrive amid extreme weather and supply chains that hold producers captive. Healthy soil combined with improved hybrids helped see him through a nasty drought with spectacular yields, and he did it while cutting herbicide and fertilizer costs. Quote, it's all in the arrangement, he says, explaining that you start to change systems when you arrange them differently. Quote, you don't need the airplane anymore to spray fungicide because the corn canopy isn't trapping that heat and moisture down low, Zach says. Quote, wider rows open things up for air movement, you see? Unquote. Everything he says makes perfect sense when you are standing there looking at his gorgeous corn on a late summer's day, as I did in 2021. Now the numbers are backing him up. You can make more net revenue per acre by trying different ways than the ag industrial complex has been preaching since the Eisenhower administration. What Zach is doing is not for everyone. What he is doing, trying to conserve soil and water resources through diverse crop and livestock applications, holds keys to a healthier Iowa. It takes more people on the land and in town to raise hogs or chickens for butcher this way. It's not crazy. What's crazy is chasing a top-line yield and making less on every bushel through higher costs while suffocating the river. Zach gets no government grant for his pilot project. He is pouring his own savings into building out the system, like legions of farm innovators before. Zach Smith and so many others like him are a reason to think that we can address our climate, farm, and food security issues through conservation agriculture. The numbers are pretty compelling. 300 bushel corn per acre, following a bunch of chickens and goats, all powered by the sun. Amazing. Now let's return to local news from the Courier. This is the Metro Briefs column. Waterloo schools set holiday break. Dateline Waterloo. All Waterloo Community Schools, Buildings, and Education Service Center are closed from December 22nd to the 30th and January 2nd. Students and staff will return to normal schedule on January 3rd. Fall commencement set at Saturday at UNI, Dateline Cedar Falls. Nearly 800 University of Northern Iowa students will graduate with their undergraduate or graduate degrees Saturday at the fall semester draws to a close. As of Thursday, 760 students have applied to graduate, 92% of whom are Iowa residents. Graduates include 229 College of Humanities, Arts and Science students, 229 College of Education students, 145 College of Business students, 129 College of Social and Behavioral Sciences students, and 28 interdisciplinary students. You and I will celebrate its graduates with a commencement ceremony at 10 o'clock a.m. Saturday at the McLeod Center. Graduation rates for the university 
stand at record high levels for the second year in a row. The four-year graduation rate increased by 5% over last year and is nearly 20 percentage points above similar universities. One in 12 UNI students graduate in only three years. Local groups seek volunteers. Dateline Cedar Falls. The Volunteer Center of the Cedar Valley has announced the following needs of local organizations. They are the Waterloo and Cedar Falls Community Schools and Operation Threshold are looking for volunteers to adopt a family for Christmas. And the Riverview Center is looking for volunteers for some holiday decorating. And Iowa Heartland Habitat for Humanity is challenging the community to sign up 100 teams this holiday season to build homes for local deserving families. Contact the Volunteer Center of Cedar Valley at area code 319-883-3015 or information at vccv.org or go online to vccv.org for a complete listing of volunteer opportunities in the Cedar Valley. Next, we have a story titled Waterloo Public Library Plans Upcoming Events. Dateline Waterloo. The following upcoming events are planned at the Waterloo Public Library. First, Sunday from 3 to 4 p.m., youth STEM activities in meeting room A-B. Then on Monday between 6 and 8 p.m., a hive workshop for knitting and crocheting for adults in the hive main room. There won't be any formal instruction or specific projects, but a volunteer will be on site to help with questions. Then on Tuesday between 5 and 7 p.m., WPL Virtual Writing Club. Registered club members will submit writing pieces to be distributed to the group for discussion. All genres of writing are welcome. The club is open to adults. Registration via email to Seth at sthill at waterloopubliclibrary.org is required and limited to 15 participants. Participants will receive more details upon registration. And on Tuesday, between 6 and 7 p.m., choose your own adventure read-aloud book club in the Waterloo Public Library Conference Room. Fourth and fifth graders will hear a story, then choose which path to take along the way. To register, go online to tinyurl.com slash W-P-L-C-Y-O-A-P-A-R-T-4. Then on Wednesday, between 5.30 and 6.30 p.m., the Altered Reality Book Club will meet at Brian's Blue Plate at 205 West 4th Street to discuss the book, quote, The One, by John Mars. To participate, email Sarah at S-S-E-L-L-E-R-S at waterloopubliclibrary.org. She will send more details. A limited number of copies of the book will be available for checkout, but it also may be downloaded digitally from hoopla.com. And lastly, on Tuesday, December 27th, between 5.30 and 7.30 p.m., a board game night for teens and adults will be held in meeting room A-B. And now we have stories from the justice system. Home robbery cases in the hands of judge. Story filed by Jeff Reinitz. 
Dateline Waterloo. The attorney for a Waterloo man who was found inside a Newell Street home in July is asking a judge to find him not guilty of breaking in and robbing the residents at gunpoint. Prosecutors allege Patrick Roosevelt Hickman, Isabel, 20, of Waterloo, and another person crawled through a bedroom window at 12.30 a.m. and threatened to shoot a young man and his grandmother while demanding money and jewelry. The young man's mother, hiding in the basement, called 911, and police surrounded the house with the suspect still inside. Following a brief standoff, the two were detained, and investigators found a 9mm handgun hidden in the living room couch. Isabel waived his right to a jury trial, and the presentation of evidence in his case began this week. Following testimony Thursday, defense attorney Matthew Hoffey asked the court to acquit Isabel on charges of burglary, robbery, and going armed. The defense said the crime scene wasn't secured after officers coaxed the suspects from the house and the residents remained inside for 10 minutes before exiting. He noted that there was no DNA or fingerprint evidence connecting Isabel to the pistol. Hoffey also said the witnesses weren't separated before they were taken to the police station to give statements, so they could have had a chance to compare stories. Prosecutor Brad Walsh called the defense arguments ridiculous, noting the suspects were caught inside the house. Quote, they didn't just happen upon that residence and pop in for a visit, Waltz told the court during closing arguments. Although testimony at the trial showed a young man living in the home had once worked with Isabel, signs posted on the Newell Street home at the time indicated the family wasn't accepting visitors because of COVID-19 concerns. Waltz noted evidence included a broken bedroom window and a wooden club that had been used to smash the glass to gain entry, as well as Nike gym bag full of would-be loot, a watch, a pair of eyeglasses, and Zales jewelry box that were abandoned in the basement when the place arrived. Investigators also recovered a pair of gloves in the kitchen and an extended 9mm magazine containing ammunition in a cardboard box in the living room. A trace of the pistol determined it had been originally sold to a person in St. Peter's, Missouri in February 2017 and hadn't been reported stolen, police said. Judge Andrea Dreyer took the evidence into consideration and will issue a verdict at a future time. The other person arrested in the case, Will Morris Burt, pleaded to robbery, burglary, and going armed charges in October. He is awaiting sentencing. The next story filed by Jeff Reinitz. Sex Offender Arrested for Fleeing from Work Release Dateline Waterloo A Waterloo sex offender who disappeared while on work release last month has been arrested. Waterloo Police arrested James Douglas Morrison, 38, on Wednesday on charges of violation of the sex offender registry and voluntary absence. Bond was set at $32,000. According to court records, Morrison is required to register because of a 2010 conviction for third-degree sexual abuse in connection with an incident involving a teenage girl when he was 26. On November 2nd, he was serving a sentence at the Waterloo Residential Correctional Center 
when he failed to return from work, according to court records. Records indicate he has a prior conviction for failure to register in 2016 and in 2019. The next story, Police Investigating Robbery Gunfire in Waterloo, filed by Jeff Reinitz. Dateline Waterloo. Police are investigating a robbery where the subjects shot at the victim outside his home early Wednesday. According to officers, the victim had just left his home in the 500 block of Reed Street to go to the store around 2 o'clock a.m. Wednesday when he was approached by two men with their faces covered. The assailants pistol-whipped the victim and took his cash. When the victim ran back to his house, the attackers fired three or four shots, police said. One of the rounds struck a window at his home. No arrests have been made in the robbery. The address is in the area of a Monday night report of gunfire. In that case, neighbors reported hearing gunshots around 8 o'clock p.m., and police found numerous spent shell casings in an alley behind the 500 block of Reed Street. Police said it wasn't clear if the incidents are related. The next story was filed by Tom Barton of the Courier's Des Moines Bureau, grassly unlikely to issue endorsement. Iowa's influential Republican U.S. Senator Chuck Grassley indicated he likely will not endorse anyone ahead of the caucuses in the 2024 presidential election. The state central committee of the Republican Party of Iowa passed a motion last week stating no committee member, state party staff, state party officers, or Iowa Republican National Committee members shall publicly endorse a U.S. presidential candidate during the 2024 Iowa GOP caucuses. Asked whether he, too, would stay neutral, Grassley noted he has historically avoided endorsing candidates before the Iowa caucuses, with two exceptions. In 1996, Grassley and then-Iowa Governor Terry Branstead endorsed Bob Dole, the longtime U.S. Senator from Kansas, who overcame life-threatening injuries during World War II, to become a shepherd of the Republican Party and his party's nominee for president that year. Grassley endorsed Dole over Lamar Alexander, Pat Buchanan, Phil Graham, and Arlen Specter. The other time was in 2000, when Grassley endorsed George W. Bush over Steve Forbes, Alan Keyes, and John McCain, who chose to skip the Iowa caucuses. Quote, hosting the first-in-the-nation caucus is not just a privilege for Iowa, but a critical responsibility that affects the direction of our country as a whole, Republican Party of Iowa Chairman Jeff Kaufman said in a statement on passage of the Iowa GOP State Central Committee's motion. Quote, the Republican Party of Iowa is committed to executing this democratic duty with total neutrality and fairness. Grassley, speaking to reporters on a conference call Wednesday, said he shares that view. Quote, I think most of us that are elected to office in Iowa feel that if we start letting various candidates peel us off and whoever Grassley or Governor Kim Reynolds would support, might discourage other people from coming to Iowa, he said. Quote, and we want a massive debate going on in Iowa and a massive effort for people to travel to our state 
and get people's opinions and give their opinions as candidates, that we think that's the strongest way to get our strongest candidate we can, unquote. A group of National Democrats voted nearly unanimously earlier this month to recommend the Democratic National Committee strip Iowa of the first-in-the-nation status it has held for a half-century in the party's presidential nominating process in favor of more diverse battleground states. Republicans have distanced themselves from Trump in recent weeks over recent comments calling for the termination of all rules, regulations, and articles, even those found in the Constitution, in order to reinstate him as president or hold a new election. Trump has also faced fallout and backlash from a dinner with white nationalist and Holocaust denier Nick Fuentes and rapper Kanye West, who has made a series of anti-Semitic comments that caused him to lose multiple brand partnerships. Grassley last week criticized Trump's comments, stating the idea was unconstitutional. And listeners, that's going to do it for today's reading of the Waterloo-Cedar Falls Courier for Friday, December 16th. I'm your volunteer reader, Bob Young. You can access a recording of today's reading on our website, iowaradioreading.org, at any time. And we want to thank you for listening to your IRIS, Iowa's first and only radio reading service. (laughs) 